a new jam. Hey. Welcome, you're listening to the B-Team Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Bloom, and with me is... Uh, George Abbott, equally important co-host. You sound like you forgot your name there. And it does happen. You're also the man behind the man, we said. We we did say. Background staff, backroom staff. I would... Writing to you. <laughs> take what you want, take what you want. Uh, we're here to, to talk about B-movies, sort of champion underdog films and underdogs in general because we we consider ourselves unsung heroes yeah i mean we are definitely not sung no <laughs> we we are definitely heroes yeah in the classical sense yeah more Very like much. greek tragic yeah. characters the stoic figures yeah yeah yeah. uh but yeah we're going to talk about 1930s B-movies. we're sort of the origin before we go okay before we go this week have you had any b-movie moments b-movie <laughs> I wouldn't say this week. What are the outtakes? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say this week, but I was considering my like B team lifeline. Sort of, if you, if I was going to make a film, where where would I start, or where would be my first rise? And it'd be um, I was number eleven batsman for the first team, and then managed to climb all the way up the order to opening batsman, and had a great game, scoring fifty plus. I think that was my first half century, and then next week shipped off to Barbados on a cricket tour. And scored a total of eight runs in four or five innings. And Do you know what the true tragedy of that story is? That your girlfriend is French and probably has no idea what cricket is herself. <laughs> yeah, I know. So every night when you tell her, she has no idea what you're When I'm there about. still knocking in my back and she's asking, what's that for? <laughs> what about you, George? <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad image in my head. <laughs> my, uh, my BT moment is probably... Well, actually, I was thinking and I, was, I played a game of rugby last weekend. And yeah. um, we were th- we were we were drawing, and uh, in the last ten minutes, I managed to injure our own scrum half by it- kneeing him in the back of the head. <laughs> oh, really? And then we didn't have anyone to take the match-winning conversion. Really? <laughs> so we <laughs> lost by three points. Ah, but well, wait, why didn't you step up? Surely, surely, if you're going to knee someone in the head, you then assume their role to take the glory. Yeah, that's I what mean, any B team hero would do. I definitely could have reboned it over the. <laughs> Over the bar, but uh, no, it wasn't. It, was it wasn't a, to be. Yeah, it was my, it was my Verdun. Uh, okay. Uh, so yeah, today we're talking about 1930s B-movies, sort of the origin of B-movies. George, tell me, what do you know about B-movies? What do I know? I know a lot about what isn't a B-movie. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, Elliot, Elliot has, a, has a film master's, hence he's unemployed. But <laughs> he also happens to know a lot about films. And constantly I send him films being like, is this a B-movie? No, you don't even ask if it is. You just tell me it is. And I have to look it up myself and go, no. Well, apparently. <laughs> what so, do you know that, what do you consider a B-movie to be? B movie is a movie that wasn't that was played before the the the, the proper film in the cinema. Yeah, that's a good start. And is a bit of shit. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically made off a really small budget mm. and to try and make as much profit as possible. And it was sort of especially in the nineteen thirties and forties when it was first became a thing, or it'd be when they weren't making these big production, these production companies would make smaller films that they could then sell to people to see this is the problem because elliot says it can't be too small hence a 19 minute film is not a b movie 19 you mean yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, no 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 (laughs) that's considered a short film george Mm. uh but yeah and also it became like a really good business model for sort of the big five you have like these big Mm. five production companies and the little three so you must know columbia studios so they started off as one of the smaller production companies and they only made their money through making lots of b movies 
and what you do you'd sell it to theatres and they don't know what the film's about or no they just have to commit to buying a season block of oh, B movies so it's like Lucky Dip yeah, yeah. film version yeah so they play, they buy a season block of B movies that they then can have content to provide to the chain uh, theatres that's basically what my life is now because I buy a season block so there's a row of movies you constantly send me to watch <laughs> yeah but it was, it was just a really good way to sort of for these big conglomerate businesses to really establish themselves because they'd also buy theater chains so then they it would just be like mm. they'd only play their own content and it'd be a lot of content a lot, and a lot of questionable content even. yeah as we saw <laughs> with uh, a couple of my picks that elliot turned down yeah uh what was your problem with jews and worcester elliot <laughs> So obviously, thank you. What was it? Thank you, Jeeves, yeah, thank uh, based on PG Woodhouse, the great PG yeah, Woodhouse, yeah. a fellow alumni of yours. Yep. Um, so the film was quite racist. Uh, it got about twenty minutes in. Did you even watch it? <laughs> no. No, I just saw it was Jeeves and Worcester, and um, I thought that's for me. That that's quite ho- wholesome content. Mm. Uh, no, instead, it turned out that they picked up a black man who happened to be a jazz artist, and they just kept referring to him as it or barbaric and after that i sort of turned See, it off in the wikipedia it didn't say about the racism they, they i'm they, not surprised they picked up a black uh saxophonist or yeah, something yeah. and then he turned out and then i was like oh this sounds pretty woke this sounds like a film you know pushing they, they, boundaries they like made it out that they were doing him a massive favor <laughs> which they kind of was but like um g no mr worcester no, Bertie Worcester. Bertie, Mr. Yeah. Worcester to you. <laughs> he sort of made, just made up a real, kicked up a real fuss about letting him in and sort of, oh, yeah. That's such was, a shame. Mr. Worcester is the hero of the book. I was enjoying it up to then. But, really? But yeah. So, And what was your other one? The beer one? The beer, the fateful glass of beer about a son who goes off to the city, has a fateful glass of beer, gets arrested, and then manages to play his parents off against each other. <laughs> When he comes back to Alaska, all in the space of 19 minutes. So really is a arc de triumph. But, but not a B-movie. Apparently not a B-movie. A short film. Uh, so what they do before... So when Sal was introduced into 1929, mm. before then, before the big films, they'd either have a live orchestra or they'd have short films or cartoons. Yeah. But that obviously changed with sound. And also what happened in 1929, George? Or what about uh, Pre-Code? Hayes oh. Kid. You know a bit about that. I do know yeah. a bit about Hayes Code. Yeah. But I thought it was 1934. We're still getting code movies. Yeah, so, so, it, so it came in in 1929, Hayes Code. Did, uh, you, did you look up anything about Hayes? Uh, no. Did you? I know a bit of goss about Hayes. Wait, let's get to the okay, code. Cool. So Code came in with the advent of sound to sort of have parameters where people would have to make films under these strict sort mm. of guidelines. But it wasn't really enforced until 1934 after the Roman Catholics sort of launched a huge campaign sort of saying that cinema was immoral and so they had to adhere to a certain moral guideline. For instance, the bad guy always gets killed, no nudity, no white-black relationships, that kind of thing. Uh, and it lasted a while. I think it lasted up until the 1960s, actually. But go on, tell us, tell us about Hayes. Well, Hayes was just a Presbyterian minister, but he got paid a million million dollars to sort out the problem in Hollywood. Really? Well, in today's money. Oh, okay, yeah, I thought yeah. you were going to say a million. Then no, no, money. no. But he got paid a substantial sum to come and sort out Hollywood. Got, yeah. No, so the code came in 1930, but just no one really enforced it. Mm. And none of our films today are actually pre-code. No. 
but for our horror and um, what's the mystery one? I think a couple are. So yeah. stay tuned to that. Should we should we start then with what our films are? What yeah. we've gone for? Do you want to go with yours? So I went for the Lady and the Mob, nineteen uh, thirty. Actually, how did you come across this film? <laughs> so much Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. I just basically I click on every director of like nineteen forties, and then I go that to what they were making in the nineteen thirties because I assume that was B movie. So, the, so this is where <laughs> this is probably half the reason why you come up with films that aren't B movies. This is half my battle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Elliot just types in B movies nineteen thirties, which I yeah. think is a bit of a cop out. Well, someone mean, who'd spent if you have IMDb years studying them for a masters. But this is the thing: we didn't cover B movies, so now it's sort of oh, I see. the time to yeah. yeah school myself on it but i just looked up on imdb best best 100 b movies of the 1930s so anyway i went for the lady <laughs> in the mob elliot is more educated than i am and better at the old google and after much searching i found the lady in the mob and it's a film about a woman who feels cheated out of the price of her dry cleaning yeah but it's born stress she's a very rich woman yeah she's also very rich but yeah. her dry cleaning costs her 25 cents too much yeah, there's, so, been a, there's been a search. Yeah. So she launches an investigation and finds <laughs> out this is due to mafia collection rackets. Yeah. And uh, teams up with a team of, like, ex-crooks. I get confused with the ex-crooks or policemen because I think they're crooks and then they become policemen during the film. Yeah, well. so they're people on probation. Oh, uh, okay. And then the deal is if they do this job for... What's her name, Mrs. Leonard? Yeah, Hattie Leonard. Yeah, if they do this, then... No, they're in, introduced as police cops, but no yeah. one knows about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, anyway, she launches an investigation into the mob, and uh, in the end, she gets arrested. Yeah. And robs a bank in order to prove that the local mayor is part of the mob. Yeah, but she robs her own bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she robs her own bank. It's, it's it's yeah. I would compare it to like what Kevin Hart would have been making back then. I think that's a bit of a compliment to Kevin Hart. Really? Yeah. I think I think this is better than some sort of some of the. I don't know. Stuff. I didn't, right along to right, to be fair. Jumanji. No, I haven't I, seen that. Jumanji's a classic. <laughs> Go down. Jumanji 2 is also underrated. <laughs> uh, but what were your thoughts and feelings on it? I thought it was actually quite funny. Yeah, um, I thought it was enjoyable. It was oddly political at points. Yeah. Do you want to play my, my favourite speech? Yeah, this is... This weird. is a speech from an, a comedy film. Yeah, and this is... So this is... Paint the scene, George. This is this after... Is, this is the... Um, Lady Hattie Leonard trying to raise the spirits of the uh, what they call the, the the many dry cleaners yeah, the dry who, now, <laughs> who now are having troubles with the mob because they're, they're trying to. Fight. I'm surprised they all have a business with the amount of dry cleaners there are within the city. Yeah, there are a lot of dry cleaners. They're all there's like thirty of them, and they all happen to be immigrants, which you'll sort of find yeah. out in the clip. Uh, but yeah, you are American. You see that man? He was at Bull Run. His father was at Valley Forge. It wasn't easy being an American then. It isn't easy now. It takes pride and strength and courage. The one thing a real American has never tolerated and never will tolerate is a dictator. Can't you see that's what Mr. Watson is trying to become? Mr. Watson doesn't believe in your inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mr. Watson doesn't want a government of the people, by the people, or for the people. Abraham Lincoln. Don't let any Mr. Watson take our America away from us. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty heartwarming stuff. 
Yeah, do you think, is that taken from Abraham Lincoln's speech? Is yeah, that I the think reference? so, but um, I think it's, this is because the main writer of the film, Richard Mayborn, was also a very political writer. He produced oh, really? the first anti-lynching and anti-fascist plays on Broadway. Oh, really? Yeah. That's good knowledge. That is good knowledge. And when, when did he, when was that? Uh, I think the anti-lynching one was late 20s and the anti-fascist one was early 30s. Okay, gosh. That's pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty on it. Pretty mm. woke for his time. Uh, also, explain to me how she, maybe she could fit through the bars, but the guy that was replacing her in the prison cell, how would and they got a crane basically to lift a guy up all the way up to the top prison cell and he would somehow fit through the bars, swap over, and during the night she would do the dirty work to fight, to get the... I mean, I think the bigger issue with this film is how much money there is in dry cleaning. (laughs) (laughs) There are like 200 dry cleaners in this like, I don't know where the city is. I assume like a Midwestern. I thought New York or somewhere similar to that. No, because a house that doesn't seem New York. Mm. I I was thought a Midwestern factory town. Okay. What I went for. I'd say like Pittsburgh. But yeah, still the dry cleaning. Also, why dry cleaning? Yeah. Also, why why did the? Dry do you think the writer just really loved dry his local dry cleaners? I don't know, mm-hmm. but do you think the mafia like has founded in America off the backs of hard working <laughs> dry, dry cleaners? <laughs> well, they do wear a lot of suits. The think, mafia. So. Do you know how they say the washing machine is one of the world's best inventions? Liberated women from the uh, from the house workplace. Yeah. Do you think it also destroyed the mafia? Destroyed <laughs> organised crime? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and what about, have you got any facts about the who was in so, some of the actresses? So Hetty Leonard yeah. was played by Faye Bannister. Yeah. And uh, she was in Jezebel. Do you know anything about Jezebel? I just know it's quite a famous film by William Dreyer. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, 1938, isn't it? Yeah, it's a classic film about naughty women. Okay, but it's, she's not the main character. It's, no. uh, it stars Betty Davis. Yeah, yeah. So um, she was a supporting character and got the Academy Award. And that was a year before this film, 1938. Oh, yeah, for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, so she was definitely probably... So was this her, like, reward? Like, she got a leading role? Maybe, or yeah, this was probably was her this, first... like, the, the decline? This came out in 1939, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So right at the end. I, don't, I think this film is probably a stud film. A stud I would, film. I would be happy to be in it. There's a lot going on. It's not just a comedy. What What would you like to have seen differently? What What do you think could have added a real comedic moment to the film? Uh, so she has this son who uh, is married to a woman who like far surpasses him in courage. Yeah. And I think there could have been more... She could have been meaner to her son. It's yeah. a classic stepdaughter. It's classic uh, it's daughter-in-law and mother ganging up on son, which is always good fun. I like to see henpeck men. As yeah. a as a hempack man myself, <laughs> uh, but also the supporting act- actress of Leela Thorne, her daughter-in-law, is India Lampino, and she was uh, born in Herne Hill in London, where I live. Ah, and then she went to America and became one of the first um, leading female directors of the nineteen fifties. Ah, which you also aspiring to do? Become a female director? <laughs> <laughs> no, just leading uh, what leading director from Herne Hill. Is that where you said you're from? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but move to America. It would be lovely to move to America. Would yeah. you like to be a champion director of B-movies? Would you be? Would you rather be? Would you rather write a couple good films that are feature films but no one knows your name or you're the guy to go to for B-movies as in a writer or creator? No, I think I'm, I'm pure pop culture. I'm always going to be producing the Jumanjis of the world. <laughs>
Is Jumanji, is Jumanji just not like a B-movie on steroids that has so much money pumped into it is considered a, a main film? Well, it's I a think, blockbuster, I think Jumanji it? is the classic thing where it's so lowbrow, lowbrow it becomes highbrow. <laughs> that's gonna that's more my mantra. You love these films, don't you? Yeah. They're, they're so lowbrow that you have to find some highbrow in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else about... Any other facts did you have? Um, not much else, to be honest. What would you rate it out of 10? I would go with a... What's a 10? If we're uh, going to do a podcast and we're rating stuff out of 10, we've got to really have a strict what, scale. A parameter? Bicycle fees. <laughs> okay, bicycle fees is 10. Yeah. 7.2 then. What? Oh, gosh, that's pretty high. No, but if bicycle... I find 6. Point... Okay. No, I, I don't. Know no, it's got to be your first. You got to yeah, be your yeah, first. Yeah, gun. Seven point two. Seven point two. Well, let's see how that shapes up to my film, uh, which is the plot thickens. Did you watch it? I did. What did you think? You weren't impressed. It wasn't very funny. There was a midget, which I felt bad for laughing at, and <laughs> the other joke was. But he did turn out to be evil, and annoying. Yeah, but that was. It's just like yeah, disabled people are bad. It's the classic. It's the classic yeah. joke. And then the other classic joke was, oh, there's a female detective. No, but it wasn't really a joke because she was the one that won out in the end. She was the one that solved everything. Yeah, she I, was ahead of everyone. I know, but that was kind of like the sell-up for a lot of jokes in it. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously of its time, mm-hmm. but it comes from... Like Jeeves. Yeah, like Jeeves, but probably not quite of its time <laughs> as Jeeves. Um, but that comes from, what's his name? Uh, Stuart Palmer's famous mystery novels, um, all around this female detective called Hildegard Heath, I believe. And, no, Hildegard Withers. And it's sort of a variation of Agatha Christie's uh, detective, Miss Marple. Um, uh, I didn't mind it. I thought there were some funny moments. And I particularly liked, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy that plays Oscar Piper, who is James Gleason. He also starred in a few famous films. Yeah, I honestly found it quite hard to follow. Why? Well, there was a lot going on. What? <laughs> so many dead ends. Like, but that's the whole point of a whodunit mm. film, and the fact that everyone was poss- everyone was a suspect. I think apart from the midget, it was too highbrow for me. I think that was the big issue with it. <laughs> I bet it's just because <laughs> the opening shot is a police detective talk. Uh, no, police copper talking about horoscopes. That was probably the funniest part of the film. Well, well, let's hear a clip and see if you can laugh a little at this. Six C nine two seven eight. When the boy just stares after them, and he looked ready to commit murder if he'd ever get his hands on him. Then the boy jumps into his car and takes out after Carter and the girl. Don't worry, Cassidy. Who was the boy? Well, I couldn't be expected to know that. Well, uh, what kind of a car was he driving? What was the license number? Funny thing, it slipped my mind. It was an old car. Let me see, what was that license number? You mean you identified Carter, who was now murdered, and took down the license number of his car, which is now in the garage, but you don't know who the boy is, and you didn't bother to get the license number of his car. Remarkable, Cassidy. Remarkable. You'll go a long ways. Thank you, sir. A long ways out in the sticks. I see you grinning at that, George. Come on. The, Come the on. way uh, he said murdered was yeah. funny. I don't know. I just like his sort of sarcastic, very sort of... He's one of those depressed... Not depressed, but he's just... He, he hates he hates his job. He sort of reminded me of you. Of me? No, yeah. you're talking about the horoscope. You said the horoscope. But that that bit there, that bit you'll really, go a long <laughs> way. Is a classic Elliot... Elliot. 
what being Ism. patronizing. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna... but coming from a place of deep self-hatred. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the whole point is that everyone underestimates the female character Hildegard, the detective. Maybe and I was she solves it in the end. Hildegard was a was a like mid early medieval German nun who became really famous for writing one of the first moral dramatic plays and a lot of music as well she basically was a famous german mystic became very was like very famous her music's still sung today i was wondering if it was based off that i would not give this b movie too much credit (laughs) honestly (laughs) it wasn't that highbrow uh but they actually made quite a few films off this whole hildegard character Mm. there's about seven or so during the 1930s yeah this one is played by zazu pitts um who actually had quite success in silent films she starred in Eric von Stroheim's Greed. Have you heard of him? No. <laughs> he made a seven and a half. Th- this was a seven and a half hour epic. Uh, but that is like people. To, Lord yeah. of the Rings is an epic. That's seven and a half hours. That's an epic. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he actually, I've seen one of his films. It's called Blue Angel. It's actually pretty good. Have you watched Greed? Uh, no. No. Uh, that's a I'm tempted a just to like say I have done. Uh, right. <laughs> As in, just say you have done, or just to yeah, just to, to say I've watch watched Greed. Uh, okay, yeah, it'd be quite an, an achievement. Mm. But so after the invention of sound, she did a lot of comedic roles, and because of that, so she started in All Quiet on the Western Front, which is a pretty famous, like one of the great American epic dramas. Yeah, that's not a comedy, is it? No, no. no. <laughs> but so this was going to be like a big, big film, and in a lot of the pre pre screenings, no one took her seriously. Everyone just kept laughing. In this film? No, no, no. Uh, all Quiet oh, on the Western Front. So times when she was giving like really compelling performances, <laughs> people just kept laughing at her because of all the comedic roles she played. So she got cut and changed for someone else. That actually happened to me in uh, my... Uh, school play? School play, yeah. I was, I, was, I was meant to play King Herod when I was in year four, but yeah. I kept making people laugh, so I got cut <laughs> and put, put on the music bench. <laughs> so I had, to hit, I had to hit the tambourine for the whole play. It was... <laughs> actually really really hard for me well for her she then went to she made a load of films during the third right because she uh just a lot of german films mm. and after that she was t- sort of shunned out and sort of declined into alcohol um, alcohol addiction drugs tried to commit suicide various times and then obviously did at the end and then uh fastbender actually made a film which is showing on at rialto at the moment like the last stages of her life Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Uh, no, not Michael Fassbender. Uh, the other one. What's his name? I had it here. Uh, anyway, we'll cut that. Uh, and then obviously Oscar Pipe is played by James Gleason, and yeah. he, he got nominated for a few. I'm a big fan of James Gleason, actually. Yeah. As a man who will go bald myself, I just know it going. It's going to happen. I'm yeah. A big fan of bald actors. Well, I think what I've realised from these B films, you see a lot of these actors becoming the support they they become the true b b actors that they are and become the supporting actors in the feature films because a lot of them get nominated for supporting actress or actor roles especially amongst the leading men in b films there's a lot of not so handsome men which oh jack nicholson and john wick come on i've never found jack nicholson attractive uh yeah but he's got that sort of odd perverse charm to him no yeah, but that doesn't translate to attractiveness. <laughs> I think Jack Nicholson was probably attractive for like three years of his career when the beers and the coke hadn't caught up with him yet. Yeah, and he has like that weird crown receding hairline. He? <laughs> he just has no hair. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what would you rate this film? 
Mm, that's generous. I'd say 5.9 for this one and 6.4 for the... So you think my film's better? Yeah. I'm happy to. That, that. That's an honest, honest movie. What, what would you like to have seen in this film? What would have tickled, tickled you a bit more? I would have loved to see a man playing my, my female league in drag. What do you mean? Your, uh, your, what, the lady in the mop? Yeah, the lady. I think that could have been a... What's a Mrs. Doubtfire? What's he called? Uh, Robin Williams. Yeah, that would have been a great Robin Williams in drag yeah. role. No, but yeah, I don't know. It sort of takes. It's quite funny when. Yeah, she is yeah. quite funny. Um, are there any like recastings of your film? Could you make your film today? Probably not. <laughs> funny. I think yours. You could maybe. You yeah. could get someone like uh, Meryl Streep or someone or one of those older actresses at the end of their career, and then you get Greta Gerwig to. Directed, <laughs> yeah. make it like a feminist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could definitely make mine today. Yeah, I it's kind so. of like it's kind of Bosco vibes. I haven't seen Bosco. No, Bosco is like oh, is like, oh, Okay, yeah, yeah. But you, but then in that sense, you could remake mine, and you just make uh, Hildegard a bit a bit stronger and a bit more, a bit more wittier. Yeah, yeah, I think she'd be great if she was played by Jennifer Lawrence. Maybe I was gonna say I thought Kira Knightley would be a good Hildegard. Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad Kieran Knightley's got that strong yet funny kind of performance. Right. So, do you think you've learned anything from? Have I learned anything from yeah, my film? From or co- co- comedies in the nineteen thirties B movies? What jokes are what makes a comedy, and some of these seem to be lacking on jokes. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'd say there's no real. There seems line. there seems to be a lot like yeah. There's it's quite punchlines are few and far between. Yeah. To be honest, it's quite formulaic. Yeah. Well, I always found like. You feel time progressing and nothing really happens and then it all acclimatises or all amounts to the end. 1930s films are quite exhausting to watch. As I think the 1930s was to live through. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think they're exhausting but they're also quite easy because you like look at the time and they've just gone quite quickly because they're obviously just over an hour. Mm. Or do you find yourself... I do my fa- I do find myself wandering. Fast forwarding. Yeah, wandering to like Facebook and having them playing on the background. Yeah. Okay. So really my film would have been a, a lot funnier if you really gave it the attention it deserved. I tried to give yours the attention. I watched yours <laughs> twice actually. They couldn't follow it the first time. See, that's night. how good it is. <laughs> There's so many Easter eggs, so many subtle meanings that you don't pick so up. So we're gonna end on that. Mine's better yeah. than yours. Yeah. And I don't pay attention to films. Yeah, but tune in for the next one. I think we'll even we've got a horror one on in the nineteen thirties, and I think mine's better than George's that one. And we've got crime one. I think yeah. that'll be pretty good as well. Yeah, tune in. Yeah, cheers for listening. I'm